Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Today's guest on the Smart Home Show, Zach Supala, CEO of Spark.io, and we talk about his big news with the new Spark OS. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm your host, Mike Wolf. And it's been a crazy busy week, just like last week. It seems like every week there's two or three big news items that happen in the broader smart home world and the broader Internet of Things world. And just this week, we saw that Intel and Samsung and a few other companies announced a new Internet of Things consortium. You know, it's it's like death and taxes with Intel. Every time there's a large new technology trend or big new opportunity, uh, you could basically bet as, as certain as death and taxes that they will jump in with some sort of standard or industry group that they're behind. And I've seen this happen over the past 10 or 15 years that I've been in technology. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously, they want to sell chips uh, to companies that are making things uh, in different spaces. Internet of Things is one of those spaces that is uh, obviously a new and growing opportunity. So I'm not surprised. And it's not a bad thing necessarily. And we talk a little bit about this with our guest today. Zach Supala, who is the CEO of Spark.io. They've been called Spark Labs. They've been called a few other things. But uh, Zach told me they actually prefer to be called Spark.io. And that, from a brand perspective, is what they're going with. So I'm, I'm on board with that. I talked to Zach because the other piece of big news this week was that they announced a new Internet of Things open source OS, which is really their cloud-based uh, platform that they're looking to make open source and allow people to, to use for their for their Internet of Things services and tech and products, and so we talk about that and, and get into that. So, and this one gets a little technical because I've heard the term operating system thrown around quite a bit around the Internet of Things. A lot of people are offering different solutions, and so I asked Zach to clarify exactly what their solution is relative to some of the other offerings in the marketplace. And we get into that, and I think that it helps me understand. I hopefully, if you're in the Internet of Things space, it'll help you understand exactly what uh, Spark is bringing to the table. So that was a good conversation. I enjoyed it. I hope you learn a few things. If you want to listen to more Smart Home shows, please, please go to technology.fm. You'll find the Smart Home Show there, and subscribe on iTunes. And if you're a fan, if you've been listening, uh, do me a favor and uh, give us a review. Give us a positive review on iTunes. That always helps. And uh, if I find your review on there, I'll, I'll give you a shout-out on the show. As always, the Smart Home Show is brought to you by Next Market Insights, my consulting and research firm, which pays a lot of the bills for me. So so if you're interested in that side of the business, please go to nextmarket.co. Check that out as well. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Wolf. We can have a conversation as well. 
email me at the smart home show at gmail.com. Lots of different ways to connect with me and the show anytime you want. Thanks everyone for listening. My name is Michael Wolf and here's my conversation with Zach Zapala. Hey, uh, Zach Zapala. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. I, you know, I went, yeah, I went camping and I, I just got back yesterday. And by the time I got back, you know, uh, Intel and Samsung had announced a new consortium around Internet of Things. And <laughs> yeah, then, it's, been a, and, it's been a busy couple of weeks. <laughs> and then you guys announced, like, a new IoT OS. So clearly mm-hmm. I can't go camping anymore. Yeah, well, I think these, <laughs> these days, no matter no matter what, every week something's happening. So. I thought that things were supposed to slow down in the summer, but uh, apparently not. I want to get into the news a little bit, but I think before we do that, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about Spark.io and what you guys are, what you guys do. Yeah. Sure. So, um, you know, we're a company that makes um, a technology to help others build connected products. Um, and so what that means is we're basically um, uh, have a tech stack that includes both hardware and software um, for creating an Internet of Things product um, called Spark OS. And that encompasses uh, a cloud service that we've got called the Spark Cloud um, and a hardware development kit called the Spark Core for products that are um, it's sort of like an Arduino, if people are familiar with that. Um, that's connected to Wi-Fi um, that people can use to develop uh, connected products. And all together we call the system Spark OS. And, you know, you guys came to a lot of people's attention through Kickstarter because you guys did mm-hmm. one, I think it was last year, yep. around uh, the Spark Core. Mm-hmm. So talk about how you guys got, you know, from the origins with your, you did a first Kickstarter, didn't go so well. Then you did the, that one and did really well. What happened there? Sure. So we started, I started Spark in, uh, beginning of 2012. And, um, really, um, we started as a connected lighting product. Um, I, I, this product was inspired by my dad who's deaf and I wanted to make a lighting system for him that would flash to make his lights flash when my mom texted him. Um, so I was like, well, if I connect his lights to the internet, then I can hook them up to Twilio and, um, and be able to do this. And that turned into a whole connected lighting product, um, which we launched in late 2012 called the Spark Socket that was about, um, you know, connected lighting, but also responsive lighting lights that would uh, do things like turn off when the sun goes down or, or sorry, turn on when the sun goes down. Um, more real automation, not just like remote control for lights um, coming in the form of apps. Um, that product we launched on Kickstarter um, unsuccessfully. We were asking for 250000 we only got 125,000. Um, enough to say that there was interest in the product, but not enough to actually cover our manufacturing costs. So we went back to the drawing board and kind of decided what was most compelling about that product was just in general, the idea that things are coming online and there's ways to rethink how those products work. A bigger idea than yeah, lighting. Exactly. But we also didn't see, we were surprised to not see as many great products as we expected, given, I think, the opportunity and the fact that the technology barriers are coming down. We all have Wi-Fi. We all have smartphones. So it's kind of easier to deliver these products. Um, and there was Nest at the time, but like not really anybody else. Um, so we thought, well, um, maybe it's because it's hard. Um, and hard means for a company risky and expensive and all the things that cause a company to not invest in something. Um, so we thought, well, what if we make it easier and take the technology we built for our own product and sell it as a um, tool? Um, and that turned into the Spark Core, which we launched on Kickstarter in 2013, May. Um, and that was very successful. $10,000 goal. We raised almost $600,000. Um, 
And that really launched us to where we are today. Um, we started shipping at the end of last year. And what we learned was a lot of our customers weren't just using it for like weekend projects. They were actually using it to build companies and to build products or there were professional engineers that were using it at work um, to create products that they wanted to bring to market. Um, and so that drove us to really focus um, on not just prototyping, but the path from prototyping to production. How do we help people build products, not just for themselves, but for others and bring those products to market? And I've seen so many interesting projects come about through open hardware like mm-hmm. Arduino. Like you said, I think it's there was still kind of a leap for people to jump to creating uh, an Internet of Things product that is really commercializable at mm-hmm. some point down the road. And what I th- think I'm hearing you say is you started to create that infrastructure to do that. And part of that was creating uh, a cloud solution, mm-hmm. um, which allows folks to – allows devices to connect over the internet and that's really i think the genesis of spark os right because what i'm what i've heard you say i think both in your video and just now is your spark os really is uh resident in the cloud as part of the cloud solution exactly well the tricky thing about creating a connected device is you want it to do all of these intelligent things right you want it to not just be like remote control but um using my previous example, your lights shouldn't turn on when the sun goes down, right? In order to do that, your lights actually have to know quite a lot. Um, they have to know when the sun goes down, right? And therefore, they need to know what zip code you're in and, and be able to track uh, how sun, sunset times change over the course of the year. So they need to know what time it is. And they need all this data, right? And basically, a connected device is typically very constrained in terms of memory and processing power. And so it can't really do all of these things on its own. And that's where the cloud comes in. And so when we talk about Spark OS, it's a distributed operating system um, where really the, um, the sort of central point is the cloud where you can run web applications that can do somewhat complex things like, say, for instance, track what time the sun sets around the world. Um, and then your product ends up actually being still kind of dumb. Like it's, it does what it did before. Your light bulb is still a light bulb, but now it's a connected light bulb. And it can be driven by um, decisions made in the cloud, um, which sort of leads to this structure where you have like the central brain for a fleet of connected devices. Um, and that's really what, what Spark OS is. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about um, compare, contrast yourself with what others are out there. Cause I have a few frame of references mm-hmm. that I think, you know, I, I try to context- contextualize things in from an operating system standpoint for internet of things. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, you have Contiki, which, you know, they may position them. They position themselves as open source OS for IoT. Mm-hmm. Um, you have embeddable operating systems that I've seen, like, for example, in the wearable space, like FreeRTOS. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, like, ElectricAmp, right, which I think is a little bit closer to what you guys are in that they mm-hmm. have a hardware solution and a cloud solution. So. I throw a lot of names out there, but I, can you, you know what I mean? Can you kind of position sure. yourself relative to those guys? Right. So, um, Kentucky, uh, um, Kentucky and free RTOS and, um, RTOSs in general are typically what people think of in operating systems in the embedded systems world. Um, so of course your little chip in your toaster can't run windows or Linux or, um, Android or iOS or any of the operating system that we typically think of as OSs. Um, because it's so constrained. So instead, you have what's called a real-time operating system, um, which does some of the very, very basic things that an OS does, like let you run multiple applications at the same time, right? Um, like really simple stuff. Um, simple in that it, 
I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that our tosses are simple because they're not. Um, but, but I mean, at the end of the day, don't you need an R toss if you're creating like a smart doorbell or a smart, you know, something, a smart light? Yeah. Yeah. So actually we're working on like right now, the spark cord actually doesn't use an R toss. Um, but our next generation hardware very likely will. Um, and, um, free R toss is one that we're very strongly considering. Um, so like we will be using an R toss as part of our, operating system, I suppose. But really the firmware for us is just one piece of the bigger system. Um, and so, um, in some sense, I suppose they're complementary. Um, uh, as far as electric imp goes, um, I think that's probably a, you know, apt comparison of sort of that they provide a very similar service, um, to what we provide. Um, I think the biggest difference, there are of course technical differences. Um, um, I think the biggest difference is openness, um, where our system is open source. Um, and what that means is, um, you know, you can uh, take our hardware and connect it to different cloud service. Uh, you can create your own. Um, you can take our cloud service and connect different hardware. Um, the two are separable to some extent. Um, and also, um, if you don't like the particular, you know, we've tried to make it as easy as possible to work, um, to develop a product. But if you don't like some of the choices that we made um, about how our software works, everything can be changed. Um, you have full control. Um, and right now, I think in particular with a lot of the things that are going on in the space, the um, contrasting open source standards is a great example. Um, control is really important. Um, people who are creating connected devices want to control their own destiny um, and um, not be playing in somebody else's ecosystem, but to have their own. Um, and that's really what we want to help provide is, is to basically say, look, here's a tech stack that you can use, but these are your products and it's your data um, and you can do what you want with them because you're the one making it. I think one of the reasons I saw for your investors going in on this $4.9 million round, which is, I think was part of the news with the spark OS, mm-hmm. you yep, guys raised right. another $4.9 million. You guys have gotten momentum with your spark mm-hmm. core and you've actually developed a number or a fairly fast growing community of developers. So talk about this community, how it's been growing and what you're seeing out there. Sure. So I think at this point we've got something like 10,000 people um, developing with a spark core. Um, and, um, they cover a very wide range of, um, uh, categories, I guess you would say, um, engineers, designers, students, artists, um, some people are complete novices at, um, embedded systems and development in general. Um, some people are extreme experts who are writing an assembly code, right? It, it's, it's really everybody, <laughs> um, which is a fun, a fun challenge is how do you support all those different people? But, um, a surprising number of them for us, and this is something we learned when we started shipping, were um, uh, professionals, I suppose. Uh, I think something like 60% of our Kickstarter backers had engineer in their title, which is really surprising to us. Um, and that just goes to show that, um, you know, I think in general, um, there's a lot of overlap between quote-unquote makers, you know, the, this like grow, the growing um, hobbyist movement, um, which is really our sort of the core of our market, um, and professional and professionals because the tools that makers use are great for prototyping in a professional environment. Um, and that I think has really driven, um, you know, the direction of our company because we, we want to help support, um, we probably get dozens of emails every week from entrepreneurs who are like, you're, you know, I built a prototype on spark. I want to scale. How does that work? Um, and, uh, like, we want we want to help bring great products to market um, by by supporting those entrepreneurs and, and engineers who are using it to make more than one of something. So my my 
12 year old is pretty bored here it's summer break could i actually <laughs> get him a spark core and yeah. have him start uh, creating something or is it a little bit beyond <laughs> uh, a, a computer savvy 12 year old <laughs> no i mean I, like we have a lot of people who um we have a customer that's um you know a, a larger customer for us that came to us because he was he was building something on the weekend with his niece um and he was impressed with it it worked well and then you know at work his company started thinking about connected devices and so he contacted us because he was like I was building something with my niece and <laughs> this worked. So let's talk. Um, but I think we do like one of my favorite spark powered things um, is uh, there's a, I think he's seven. There's a seven year old kid. He might be eight named Omkar um, who created a, like a Wi-Fi controlled light using a spark core. And he came and met us at maker fair um, and was just, I mean, amazing right but it is totally possible for for kids to be kids to be working with this stuff and i told him that when he graduates college he should contact me and i'll okay, give him great. a job <laughs> so you just you just given given my kid the new summer project which is great but uh, uh, you know it's interesting that you you want to help these creators scale and in a sense i'm i'm reminded of what quirky's done with their mm. incubation engine i mean have you guys actually thought about over time creating I guess, uh, infrastructure and, and structure for these creators to scale in terms of like giving them some business runway or, or, or giving some infrastructure in that sense? It's a, you know, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, it is definitely something we've talked about, um, and hard to figure out exactly the right model for it. Yeah. What we've done, what we've been doing is like when people come to us and they have something that we think is, is like compelling, um, we just help them out however we can. So with a lot of our startup customers, we act um, as advisors and we put them in touch with manufacturers and we help them with marketing. And we like, I mean, we've advised like a dozens of Kickstarter campaigns on their video and like the story that they're telling and their price points and, and everything like that. Cause we really do, I think as a company, but also as individuals um, we're in this because we love seeing cool new things. Um, and we want to, and we want to help make them real. And, and we help a lot of people who don't use spark because we just want to see the products come to life. You started this because your dad, you wanted to create mm -hmm. a cool idea for your dad, a cool mm -hmm. product for your dad. What were you doing before this? Were you just a tinkerer? Were you someone at a, another startup? <clears throat> I actually, um, I was in business school when I started the company. Um, I do not have a technical background. Um, I'm self-taught. So I, um, my undergrad, was in cognitive scientist or uh, was in cognitive science. So I took a couple computer science classes as part of that. Um, but then I was a management consultant and then I went to get an MBA. And so I didn't really have any engineering experience to speak of. Um, and I started working on Spark while I was in business school because I was interested in, I wanted to start a company, but I also was frustrated that tip, the typical MBA um, path was to like write a business plan and then, and then like, go to the undergrad CS department and try and find a technical co-founder um, uh, and be like a, you know, creepy, creepy grad school troll um, <laughs> looking. I just didn't like that. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I should do it. And I built all our first prototypes myself and kind of taught myself software development um, and eventually electrical engineering so that I could design the hardware. Um, these days um, I don't do, um, we now have, full-time engineers <laughs> who do most of the, most of that. Although I still do all the front end work cause I love doing it and uh, I don't want to give it up. 
Well, that's that's pretty interesting. And another interesting thing to me is the Spark Core is really targeted at Wi-Fi, but mm-hmm. I'm seeing a ton of different wireless standards. Um, mm. Obviously, when you talk about Internet of Things, when you talk about Smart Home, which I look at quite a bit, you have all these flavors. Are, are you guys kind of making a conscious push towards Wi-Fi, or are you guys uh, agnostic? Well, somewhat, definitely somewhat agnostic as a company. I think we we made a Wi-Fi dev kit because we saw a big opportunity there yeah. in that there were people excited about creating Wi-Fi products, but that was probably the most challenging at that point. Um, BLE, for instance, is also really exciting, but it's actually, it's just kind of easier. Like, um, we are less necessary with BLE because um, the path to creating the product is a little bit more straightforward. Um, but that said, we do want to, we do plan to extend beyond Wi-Fi. Um, and I think a big part of that is also appealing to different industries because a lot of times when we talk about Internet of Things, we're talking about consumer-oriented um, stuff, which tends to be like smart home. Um, but the industry also encompasses things like parking meters, right? Um, very like industrial, commercial, municipal applications of connected, um, connecting things to the internet. Um, and if you're making a parking meter, then Wi-Fi doesn't make any sense. Um, and you need cellular and, uh, and or mesh networking of some kind. Um, but, um, fundamentally, you still need to do the same thing, which is connect it to the internet, hook it to a service where you can then take control over it, read data, um, you know, uh, all that, all that kind of stuff. And so we do, we do plan on extending beyond just Wi-Fi. Is BLE the logical next step or? Um, BLE is one. Um, I think, uh, I mean, we're still sort of developing our next generation, um, next generation hardware and um, trying to figure out where we can help the most. Um, so BLE is exciting because there are so many products being built. Right? It's got a lot. It's got a lot of heat to it. Yeah, and and the whole wearables. You know, I think wearables is a, is a space that's taking off really fast. Um, and I do think we we have learned more recently about there are some ways that we can help a lot. I think because one of the challenges you end up with BLE is that your products, um, y- your the mobile phone app um, ends up being a big part of the challenge. And in particular, what do you do when the app is essentially spun down by the, by the operating system. How do you make your products still work the way that you want it to? Um, so there's some interesting problems for us to solve there. Um, definitely something that we're looking at. Hey, well, Zach Zapala, thanks so much for spending time with me after your exciting week, uh, announcing your, your new funding round and spark West. Thanks for spending some time with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking me. Hey, that's it. That's my conversation with Zach Zapala. Nice guy, smart guy. If you haven't gone to spark IO, do it. You can actually check out the video they have describing Spark and, and the Internet of Things starring Zach. It's actually a really well put together video that explains things, I think, even in a way that my mom, who's not very technical, uh, or people who don't really understand this Internet of Things concept, might start to get it. So uh, check it out. It's an interesting site, uh, interesting company. Zach was a good guy to spend some time with me and talk about the news this week. So, hey, everyone, thanks for listening once again. Please go to technology.fm and subscribe to The Smart Home Show or look for The Smart Home Show in iTunes. Uh, leave a review, a positive review if you feel so inclined, um, and I uh, appreciate it. Also, contact me at thesmarthomeshow at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at Michael Wolf. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.